looked at um, the order of, of roles of the women and the men in the church and um, just to get more of an understanding. Um, and then the whole book entirely with the Corinthians, Paul had established this church in um, Corinth and a very worldly city, a big city of trade and, and whatnot. But you have these Christians trying to, um, I believe their heart is they want to serve the Lord. They want to know the Lord, but then they're um, stuck in this worldly influence and, and whatnot. So they fall into idolatry. They fall into um, uh, stumbling others with their liberties. And tonight we're going to look at where Paul is addressing them about their conduct at the Lord's Supper. And how they were not, um, they displeased Paul again. And there's a few times where Paul has said this, I'm not pleased with you guys. And so we, we don't like to hear those words, but we do hear them sometimes in our lives because we need correction. And so I believe the heart of it is Paul loves the Corinthian church and he wants to help them to get better. He's not saying you guys are done. God's done with you. He's not saying that. He's saying, um, this is not, this ain't working. You guys can't do it like this. I showed you the way, follow the way. So let's pray again. Lord, we just, um, we just give you this night again, Lord, we just want you to cover this place. We want you to be here with us. And we ask that you would please fill each of us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, no matter what, um, what comes in our path, Lord, that we can trust you, but help us as we read your word to learn as Paul was addressing the Corinthians, Lord, that we would take nuggets from this too, that we can continue on in our walk um, of faith, Lord, that we would not stumble, but we would just follow you. And we are so grateful, Lord, that when we do stumble and we, we come back to you, you receive us and you forgive us. So help us, Lord, tonight, right now, as we read your word, um, we just ask for an anointing, Lord, speak through me and anything that is not of, of you, Lord, may it fall on deaf ear. I pray you would just use me as your vessel. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so in, uh, we're in chapter 11, verse 17. You will follow with me. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. So Paul, like I, I was saying, that Paul is not, uh, he's, he's exhorting them. He's telling them that he's not pleased with them. He can't praise them in this. Just like um, in Revelation, we see the different churches and some, some are really fallen short and some are, they have, there's a praise and some there's a, an a exhortation. Here we're seeing this of Paul's, Paul's, bummed by them but he's not surprised either because this they've been having divisions if we look over in uh first corinthians chapter one verse 10 you want to go there or you can just listen um paul when he first opens up this letter to them he says i plead with you brethren by the name of our lord jesus christ that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you. So Paul hears of these things. It's just like us, our church. If, if Tanner goes to Columbia or Florida or wherever, I'm sure he hears report of, hey, this was going on at your church, or these are what your people are doing. So Tanner's our shepherd. Paul was their shepherd, and he's, 
he's saying, I'm hearing of these things by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I, I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptize none of you except Crispus and Gaius, is, uh, lest anyone should say that I have baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So Paul, the problem where there, where he's addressing here was that they were going, you know, oh, well, I'm of this church, I'm of that church, I'm of this person, I'm of that person. And like I shared before, is this, they didn't have like a Calvary Chapel running springs where everyone came and joined. These were little churches inside homes. And so you had different leaders of the churches and the homes, and they were all um, kind of in different uh, agreements as far as doctrine. And so he wanted them to, to all be unified. And that's God's desire is that we're all unified, whether we're in women's ministry here or we're on Sunday or Wednesday, we should have oneness in mind. And so they have these divisions that are going on in the church, um, in these churches. And so here they're supposed to be coming together, he says, uh, for the better, but it's, but it's for the worst. And so even in our own um, area, we can see where there's divisions, even our, and it can happen in our own church. And there can be divisions among us. But one of the, the thing that shows in, in divisions is it, it shows the genuine Christians, those that are actually going to faithfully continue, no matter what happens. If people say things of you or me or whatever, I'm not here for that. I'm here because I want to know Christ more. And I'm here because this is my church and this is my home and this is where I want to grow in the Lord. And so when we have those divisions, it's kind of getting people get weeded out. And so... Um, it's sad. We don't want those divisions, but that sometimes that's what happens. So, um, moving on 20. So therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's supper for an eating? Each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. What do you not have houses to eat or drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Paul's upset. We can see he's like, you know, he is bothered. But here they're supposed to be coming together for the Lord's Supper. And that's like for us when we come together, we call it communion. But it's the same as the Lord's Supper is we remember what is that about. And so back then, um, tradition was that there was, they would call them love feast or agape feast. And the whole point of it was that you had the wealthy and you had the poor. And when you get together for these love fest feast, um, was that the rich would bring much food and the poor would bring what they had, but everyone shared and everyone ate together and no one left hungry. And we see that that's unity and that's brotherly love. And that's our, what our part is in the body of Christ. It's not to uh, consider ourselves first. We are to have other others minded. Um, and that, that love feast that's also mentioned in Jude 12. Um, that was something that they did, but it showed that when they came together, it was to remember Christ 
It was to encourage his disciples. And it was to share God's provisions with the needy. Because everything is from the Lord. We know whether you're rich or poor, everything we have is from the Lord. Our, our, um, everything. Our food, our uh, provisions, our clothing, it's all from the Lord. And so that that's beautiful that they had these events. We don't... Um, we have our like Wednesday night barbecues in the summer and we do different things like that. But this was something that they did at the same time. They would do it with the Lord's Supper at the same time. And so um, that makes me think, though, these people were coming and they were hungry and they were getting drunk. And they were one would be eating ahead of the other. And so they weren't thinking and considering of the other. So those uh, kind of clicky, too. Um, maybe they had their, their wealthy cliques and they, they would sit over here and, and gobble their food down and the others are poor and they don't have anything. And we see that that's not the body of Christ. That's not how we're to be acting. And so the question that came to my mind was this, with this was, why do you come to church? You know, are you, these people maybe were coming to eat or coming to get drunk or they were coming to, in a sense, I want, I don't want to use the word party, but in a sense it's like that because, Let's, you know, oh, they have the best wine or whatever. Why do we come to church? And I know in my life, I've been convicted at different times where I was a busy mom and I could not wait to put my kids in childcare. And so six kids, I was like, we're going to church, guys. And I wasn't always, honestly, I mean, just to be honest, I, I would get convicted. The Lord was like, why are you here? You know, and those things are good, but I want you to want me. I want you to grow in me. And so that, um, that was a question that came. And so maybe you come for fellowship or maybe you come for, uh, for the coffee or, um, to get out of the house, you know? I don't know. There was a time where I wanted coffee and I, I would, that would be the first thing, first thing, the beeline to the coffee. Um, and these things aren't wrong to, to have the fellowship and have these girl times and whatnot. But if your focus is, I just, I got to get away from the kids and and my husband or whatever's going on. And I just need to be with my sisters. Probably not aiming for the right thing. Those are, those are blessings in it, but that's not our priority. Our priority should be coming together to, um, as they should have been for the dinner was to remember Christ. So that should be our first and foremost thought. So, and then to consider others, like if your neighbor's hungry or, or whatnot, or you're at the church and, would you gobble down the food and you see that maybe there's somebody that doesn't even come to the church, but they're hungry to be willing to give up your plate for somebody else. So, um, yes. So move on to 23. You guys follow with me. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do also as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So he says, for as I received from the Lord, the Lord showed Paul. He revealed this to Paul. This wasn't anything Paul made up. This wasn't Paulisms or whatnot. This is the Lord delivered this to Paul um, about this. 
What is the, what is, uh, how is your conduct when you're coming to the Lord's Supper? So when Jesus uh, was having the, we call it the Last Supper, uh, a lot of times people will say that, the Last Supper, he was actually having the Passover Supper. And if you guys remember that in Exodus, um, that a lot of the similarities of what Jesus is doing or going to do on the cross was very similar to the Passover. So let's flip over to Exodus 12 and let's look at the Passover. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. God's provision, even this. He's, he's concerned with uh, everyone having a part in it. Shall, sorry, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You make it from, you take it from the sheep or from the goats. So it's a lamb without blemish. Who's our lamb without blemish? Jesus. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Jesus on the cross. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire and unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. So unleavened bread, there was no... Leaven, for a couple reasons, the leaven meant sin, right? But also the Passover, when they're going to do their exodus, they are in a hurry. There's no time to help. Um, when you put yeast in, the bread rises, right? And But it takes time. And so they have to flee. This is a quick thing, but the yeast represents sin. And there is to be no sin in the household or in the bread. Do not eat it raw, nor boil it all with water, but roast it in fire, its head and its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it, with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste, to quickly be able to leave. So haste is quick. You're going to flee And so be ready, be girded. It's like us. We need to be girded always, right? It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So by putting the blood on the two doorposts, it was a sign, right? And so if you didn't have that, the angel of the angel was going to come through and, and wipe it out, wipe out the firstborn, as he's saying. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. 
So right here, he, this is right before they're going to flee, right? And so this is the, the Passover meal. This is where it began. And when we partake, we do remember this. We do remember what Jesus did because Jesus is the fulfillment of this. So let's flip back over to 1 Corinthians 11. So they were, when Jesus was with the disciples the night, this is the night he's going to be um, betrayed. He's with the brethren and he's partaking with the Passover with them. I just think, what a picture. He is the Passover lamb, but he's sitting with the brethren and he or the disciples. And even in that, there's unity, but there's one that's going to deceive him. And that night, he would go and be uh, betrayed. And so when we look at the Passover meal, there's no, there's no yeast, like I said, in the bread. So that it was because the, the yeast represents sin. And Jesus is sinless. He was the sinless cross, or I'm sorry, he was sinless and went to the cross and his body was broken for us. And so that, that bread represents his body being broken for us. And the blood, in the Passover, there was multiple cups that they would drink from. And this one in particular, what we see with Jesus is the cup of redemption. And the redemption is us or them at the time being redeemed from slavery in Egypt to being free of the bondage and being with Christ. So Jesus' blood that was spilled on the cross is a new covenant for us that he fulfilled so that we could have a relationship with God. It wasn't anymore having to go to, um, to the high priest. Jesus is our high priest. So he was fulfilling that. And so over, you don't have to go with me if you don't want, but if you'd like to, I'm going to Jeremiah 31, 33. So in Jeremiah 31, 33, he talks about um, the new covenant that was going to happen. And this is prophetic. This is before it, it became. So Jeremiah 31, 31, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make as a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the land, that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After these days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and I will write on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So beautiful because God is etching that. He was etching that in our hearts and our minds. No more would we have to go and, and someone would have to, to um, be that intercession intercessor for us and make those um, uh, for our sins. They wouldn't have to sacrifice anymore. The sacrifice is done. It's in with Jesus. 34, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their inequity and their sin, and I will remember them. I will remember them no more, their sins. So Jesus, by doing this, this, this um, covenant, there, were, there would be no need for the prophets because everybody has a chance to receive Jesus. There is no um, 
greater than, less than, can't do it. It's not. He says it's for all, to the least of them, to the greatest of them, that all their sins could be washed away and wiped away. When I read that, I just couldn't stop reading. I mean, I couldn't uh, read anymore. I just was sitting in awe, just thinking about that, that that's fulfilled, that's done. Like, there's, there's no more. I don't have to fret. Like, we don't have to fret and try and do this and do that and think we have to get this done or that done. It's everything's done. Everything was paid for on the cross. And so that should stir in our hearts um, good news because it's done. There's a new covenant, and Jesus fulfilled that. As he, Jesus proclaimed it in Matthew 26, 26 through 28. And they, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many of the, for the remissions of sin. He's proclaimed that even before to them, that he's the new covenant. Maybe some of them got it, maybe some didn't, but that is fulfilled. It's just so exciting. And here, the sadness of this um, chapter is that they didn't get it. They weren't sitting around remembering what Jesus did for them. They're sitting around trying to eat and get drunk, and, and some are gluttons and some are drunks, and that's their focus. And we see in the Old Testament, that happened a lot, right? They were complaining about manna. It was always food and their lust of the, of the flesh and, and the sin. But it's so important that when we take of communion, when we sit together, whether even if it's just you and your husband or anytime you're taking of communion, it's so important that we remember, like really think about it and not do it in a silly way and not do it in a um, uh, just a complacent thinking about, you know, needless things of the day, but really take to heart what God did for us. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's Jesus pouring out his life for us, giving his life for us. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. That's the whole point of it. Not to sit in, uh, just as I said before, coming to church even. Even on a day that we're not doing communion. But you come and what's your point? Why are you here? Is it to grow in Christ? Is it to have a relationship with him? And then because we see this and because we have this truth, do we live it out? Do we live like this is true in our lives? So that's another question to ponder for you. Are you living it out? Are you living that Jesus fulfilled it? He's, he's the all in all. He did it all. There's nothing more. You don't, your good works aren't going to get you there. It's, you're saved by grace through faith. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not concerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are sick or weak among you and many sleep. So these people, because they weren't considering and they were taking it just kind of like no biggie and they were eating before one another, weren't considering one another, weren't pondering what they're doing this for. Why are they partaking of the, the supper? Some were dying. Some were dying young or, or prematurely or they were sick. And so Paul points this out. And, and this isn't for us to say, oh, if someone dies young, it must have been they took communion out of the wrong, you know, they weren't examining themselves. Only the Lord would do that or know that. But, but he does that because he, he chastens those that he loves. And so if we sit and we're going to partake of communion, but we have, maybe we just, there's been times where I've gotten into a fight with my husband or something on the way to church, my kids, and I know I can't always take communion and I'll say, I'll pass because I feel like I'm not ready. And, and it's serious and it should be serious and we should take it. And I'm not saying don't, you know, if you thought, oh my gosh, I took it in. And now you're pondering those things, you know, move forward, but you should examine yourself. And so by examining yourself, it's a heart check. You know, are you sitting there when, when those um, elements come? Do you sit and um, really consider and ask the Lord to search your heart? Because there's times when we don't know what's in our heart. The word declares that the heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? The Lord knows only. But because he loves us, he chastens us. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brother, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Be patient. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. So if we're examining ourselves and we get right with the Lord and there's something going on, there's that check in our spirit of, man, I just got in an argument with um, my son or, or whatnot. You can partake, but you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to ask the Lord, cleanse me. I'm so sorry, Lord. Or, or maybe you need to go reconcile with that person before you take communion. That's between you and the Lord, but make sure that you're doing it in a worthy manner. So, and then to consider one another, if someone's hungry, eat at home. You know, he's saying, don't, <laughs> why is your reasoning for coming? You know, are you, are you um, taking the Lord's supper in vain in a sense? Or the gathering, I think about that here with the church. Are we, do we take it in vain? Do we, you know, are we doing things that we shouldn't be doing? Or maybe we look different on the outside and maybe we're not being so kind and loving at home, but then we come here and we're all loving and, and kind, but really examine what is our motive when we come. We all do it. We all fall short. So there's been many times I'm like, get in the car, we're going to church, you know, and you're yelling at the kids and we're going to go worship Jesus. And then <laughs> you're like, really, mom? They just look at you like, wow, that's, that's great. Good job. But we've all done it. So couple things to consider through this. Consider your reasoning why you come. Don't forget what Jesus did for you and the depths of that. Let us live out what we believe about our Savior. 
and always examine yourself before partaking of the Lord's Supper. So let's pray. Father, we thank you again just for this night. Lord, I thank you for your word, and it's just so, um, it's so perfect because every time we read it, And we go through the book again and again and maybe in different times in our life. Lord, you always just speak to us new truths and new light. And I pray that you would help us to retain what it is that you wanted each of us to learn tonight, Lord. We're all different individuals. We all come from different paths. But we are all combined because of you, Lord. And so I just thank you for that unity. And I pray for unity over our church. I pray for unity in the women's ministry and the men's ministry and children's ministry, Lord, and all the ministries, Lord. I just thank you that um, there are there's a place, a safe place that we can come and worship you. I pray that we would do it with our whole heart. And we just love you in Jesus' name. Amen.